welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. How we doing, church? Doing good? Welcome to uh, New Hope Church. We are glad you are here. We're going to look into the camera and welcome all of the campuses. Love you guys at all of our locations. Hope you're having a great day like we are having here. I've got a question, show of hands at all of our campuses. How many of you guys have, like, you have kids that are in school and they're nearing the uh, season where they're about to get report cards. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's a lot of us. And so you never know what that's going to look like. You know what I'm saying? And so I I, I came across this and I just got to share it with you. A father was passing by his son's bedroom and was astonished to see that his bed was nicely made and everything was picked up. Then he saw an envelope propped prominently on the pillow that was addressed, Dear Dad. With the worst premonition, he opened the envelope with trembling hands and fear of reading the letter. And this is what the letter said. Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I am writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with mom and you. I have been finding real passion with Stacy, and she is so nice. But I knew you would not approve of her because of her piercing, tattoos, tight motorcycle clothes, and the fact that she's older than I am. But it's not only passion, Dad, she's pregnant. Stacy said that we will be very, very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods. It has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. We share a dream of having many more children. Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. We'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people nearby for cocaine and ecstasy. In the meantime, we will pray that science will find a cure for AIDS so that Stacy can get better. She deserves it. Don't worry, Dad. I'm 15 and I know how to take care of myself. Someday I'm sure that we'll be back to visit so that you can get to know your grandchildren. Love your son, John. P.S. at the bottom Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Tommy's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are far worse things in life than a report card. That's in my center desk drawer. I love you. Call me when it's safe to come home. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that dude. Very, very creative. Hey, I got a question for you. Serious question. If I can ever get you back. Do you know that you were made for a mission? Did you know that you, you were made for a mission? In John's gospel, John 17, 18, the Bible says this, in the same way that you gave me a mission, this is Jesus speaking, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give 
them a mission in the world. If you are a note taker, why don't you start on that program that you received when you came in and simply write these words, I was made for a mission. In John 20, 21, this is at the end of Jesus's earthly ministry, right? He's been crucified, dead, buried. The father has raised him from the dead. This is the season that we're in. We are Easter people. Amen. We just came through Easter. So let me try that again. I want to hear that a lot better. We are Easter people. Amen. We, we are resurrection people. Jesus raises from the dead right before he goes back into heaven. He says this. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I am sending you. Well, well, here's the question you might be asking if you're kind of new to all this. Well, then what am I being sent to do? Where am I being sent, right? Acts 20, the, the book after the Gospel of John. You just start to see the biblical narrative unfold. And in Acts 20, the Bible says this in verse 24. Why don't you read it out loud with me? Acts 20, 24. Ready, church, go. The most important thing is that I... That I do what? Great job. The work the Lord Jesus gave me to do what? To tell people the good news about God's... To tell them about what? So again, if you're a note taker, why don't you write this down? My mission in life is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. My mission in life is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is not the mission for people just like me. That's not the mission... For missionaries, if you are a Christian, if you're not, not necessarily talking to you, but when you become a Christian, this will be your mission. If you consider yourself a Christian, your mission in life is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So, so the question I got to ask for you is, how are you doing that? How am I Doing that. And by the way, just because, you know, I'm a pastor, sometimes pastors don't do a good job with this. We can get in our little holy huddle just like you. We can start being around Christians all the time. We can start talking Christianese. We can start eating Chick-fil-A three times a day, except on Sundays. (laughs) I was at a car wash just Friday, car wash on Friday. I was doing a wedding rehearsal up here, so I got my car washed. And so I'm there, and this, this... this dude comes up to me and we kind of start talking. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. We just kind of struck up a conversation. And I kid you not, in no time, he asked me, because he did ask me what I, what I do. People always ask you that. What do you do? And, what, um, <clears throat> so I'm not, I'm not embarrassed of it, but normally it leads. You never know when, when you say you're a pastor, get ready. So, so I did, but he did, and it was a great conversation. And brother, if you're here, cause he said he's coming and I believe him and he's going to be here today. He said, how do you know that what you're doing in life is God's will? Now that's a good question. That's a good question. Those are the good kind of, good kind of questions. The other, other kind of, you just never know what you're going to get. You know, my brother married my cousin twice removed, but, but this one was good. Hey, how, how do you know? 
how do you know what you're doing is God's will? And so I said, brother, you're going you're gonna to love church on Sunday. You need to come visit New Hope Church. Because I basically went on to say to him, and it just came to me in the moment, there are basically three things that help you discover when you're doing God's will. Number one, you're good at it. Have you ever thought about this? God's not going to call you to do something in life that you just stink at. That would be a poor witness to him. Can I get an amen? So you're good at it is the first thing I told him. The second thing I told him is that you will enjoy it. I don't believe God calls us to walk around planet earth as miserable people. Okay. I don't believe Christians should look like they eat a sour onion sandwich every morning for breakfast. I think we should be joyful. Right. And some people say, well, I'm joyful. And I want to say to them, well, why don't you tell your face about it? smile right 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 so i believe you're good at it you enjoy it and here's the third thing and this is so related to what i'm talking about today you are actually using it as a platform for jesus you're using what you're doing 24 7 in the home, in the neighborhood, in the community groups, in your vocational world, student, in your educational endeavors, you are using that which you are doing as a platform for Jesus. Now, there's a word for this. And I don't even want to say the word because the word has such negative connotation. But I'm going to say the word because it shouldn't have negative connotation. The word is evangelism. Evangelism. When I say the word evangelism, most of you picture TV evangelists with big hair. And they say, Jesus, with six syllables. And send me your money. And I will send you my sweat cloth. Big hair people, right? Big hair people, lots of makeup, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, or let's take it local. You got, you got the evangelist on the street corner who's beating his Bible, right? And sweating and blood vessels are popping out all over his face. And you're like, that dude is scary. And yet evangelism is not a bad word. I would submit to you that it has been hijacked. Evangelism simply means to share the good news. Evangelism is just the Greek word for good News. That's all it means. Now, where am I supposed to share this good news? Because I don't think we should just let go of the word just because it is being poorly used. I think we could probably come up with other words, too. I don't I, I try not to use the word that, that much anymore, actually. But we cannot short sell or we cannot short circuit the call of the church to be in the business of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ just because people have hijacked the word and they're using it poorly. Amen. Amen. So where are we supposed to share this good news? Open up your Bibles. We were just in John. Just go to Acts. Acts chapter 1a. We're going to be bouncing around with lots of scripture today on this one topic. But in Acts 1, 8, let's read it out loud. You read the last one so well. Let's read it. Ready? Go. You will be my in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my what? What's a witness? Witness is someone that just tells their experience, what they saw. 
There's a TV show. I, I don't watch television during the daytime. But every now and then, if I am in front of a TV during the daytime, there is this show that if I come across it while I'm surfing it, I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, but I will watch it. It's called Judge Judy. Come on now. Anybody, again, I don't watch television during the daytime, but sometimes I've come across Judge Judy. The other day I was in a, in a doctor's office and they had Judge Judy on. I'm digging me some Judge Judy, right? Anybody else like Judge Judy? Come on, will you admit it? Will you confess it? Yeah, yeah, a lot of Judge. She, she's the bomb, dude, because she just tells it like it is, right? And they called this witness up and this witness started pontificating about things that had nothing to do with the case. And oh my, Judge Judy opened up a can on her and said, I just want the facts. What did you see? What did you hear? You are up here today because you are a witness. She was letting her have, what does a witness do? A witness just shares what they have encountered. If you're a note taker again, write this down. God wants me to be his witness. God wants me to be his witness. Somebody who just tells what they have seen, what they have experienced, what has happened to them in life. That is what a witness does. Question, does a witness have to be an expert? Some of you think you have to be an expert to be a witness. Some of you never ever talk about Jesus or your church or the Bible because you think you have to be an expert. I got really good news for you. People don't usually want to hear from an expert. A know-it-all. They want to hear from this word that Jesus used. A witness. You will be my witnesses. Did you notice where he said you will be my witnesses? He's talking to the church. This is Acts. You will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. In Judea, in Samaria, and where? Ends of the earth. Think about this for a moment. I, was, I, I really was enjoying studying this this week, thinking about New Hope now that we've gone multi-site. Jerusalem would be this campus right here in Durham, the Durham South Point Central Campus. Jerusalem. Then, then the, the concentric circles widen a little bit and Judea. Judea, you might consider, would be the Garner campus and the Sanford campus and the NCCIW campus and the North Raleigh campus. Samaria was very close, Judea that is, was very close to the Jerusalem area. Then the word says, then you're going to go out even further to where? Samaria. You, you might consider that our Columbia campus. And then where? To the ends of the earth. You might consider that the New Hope Kenya campus that we are opening right now that we sent four New Hopers out this week to go to that area, to do outreach in those universities in and around that area, to connect with pastors Joshua and Gloria. And they have landed and they are doing exactly what I am talking to you about today. God wants me to be his witness. I heard a story one time. God is in heaven and an angel comes up to God and says, what's plan B? Obviously, I've known about your plan A. It is to use those people 
who you're going to go and die for, who you're going to save. Plan A is to use them to reach the world. But what is plan B? And as the story goes, God looks at the angel and says, there is no plan B. We are it. We are plan A. And that's the only plan the Bible tells about. So how... Do you become a history maker? Give me a show of hands if, if you even care remotely about trying to be a history maker in life. Anybody here want to make history? See, you're a little timid on that one. That's a big question. Anybody, anybody want to be a life changer? A history maker? Because here's what you need to know. There is no telling what God can do with a man or a woman who is unquestionably and undeniably committed to him. Did you hear me? There is no telling what God can do with you, what God can do with me, what God can do with any man, any woman, any child, any student who is unquestionably and undeniably committed to him. So how do we do that? Only got one thing I want to talk to you about. The first thing and the last thing. If you're a note taker, here it is. I must dare to care And then share the good news of Jesus Christ. I must what church? To do what? And then the good news of Jesus Christ. I must dare to care. And care enough to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the starting point. So I want to ask you a question. Do Do you care? Do you really care that people die and they go to one of two places? I know you don't like it. I know it doesn't sound good. I know it's not politically correct anymore, but I'm not here to be politically correct. I'm here to teach you what the Bible teaches. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And people actually go there. And I don't gloat in that and I don't like that any better than some of you. Do I dare to care enough and then share? Jesus heals this guy in Luke chapter 8. You can read the story later. But he heals this guy and I love it. And at the end of Luke chapter 8 verse 39, the Bible says this. Jesus looked at him and said, go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So that man, that man that Jesus just healed went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. Will you circle a phrase for me? Will you circle the phrase, go back home? Go back home. Go back into your neighborhoods. Go back into your apartments. Go back into your workplace. Go back into wherever it is that you go and tell people what I have done for you. That is a witness. That is a witness. That is someone who has so has God up in their life that they're undeniably and unquestionably committed to him that they are willing to go and share. I love the fact that at all of our campuses, this is why we do it, by the way, there is a sign by every exit. You are entering what? Go home and dare to care enough to share. The mission field is no longer in just Kenya. The mission field is no longer in 
Ethiopia. The mission field is no longer in wherever. The mission field is right here, just like the mission field is right there. The mission field is everywhere. Do you know that George Gallup did a recent survey and discovered that 65 million Americans have no church home? 65 million Americans have no church home. But check this out. That same statistic said this, but 34 million of them said they would attend if somebody would just invite them. Do you dare to care enough to share? And you know how... You know how the best way it is to invite them? I just want to give you a very practical tool right now. Everybody at all of your campuses, you should be able to find this right in your chair or in Sanford in the pew, right? You should be able to find this right in front of you. If not, we know it's scattered all over your campus. I've got one in my pocket because I gave it to my brother at the car wash yesterday, Friday. Y'all see those little invite cards? You got them? Got them? We have them in the bathroom. (laughs) We have them in the resource center. We have them around at all of our campuses on countertops. You just find them. It's a simple invest and invite card. Can I just tell you that the vision of New Hope Church is that every single person would carry a stack of these in their pocket. This does not make you an expert. In fact, this just makes you a witness. So that when you come across somebody anywhere in the dentist office, in the barbershop, come on ladies, in the salon, Might as well talk about something redemptive while you're getting your hair done. At your home, I carry a stack of, I give them to every waiter or waitress. I miss sometimes, but almost everyone, right? You hand these out and it's a beautiful card. It says, come join us. And then it's got the worship times for your particular campus. Then it's got the website and you turn it over. Come on, it's got a map. That is daring to care enough to share. And every single person here can do that. Why, 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 why are you still sucking oxygen on planet Earth if you are a Christian? Have you ever thought about that? Why are you still here? Why am I here? Why why is God not taking you to heaven? You might say, you might say this. This might be a legit answer for you. You might say, because I want to worship. I I love worship on Sundays. I love the music. I love the band. You haven't seen worship till you get to heaven. If it was about you being able to worship, guess what? He'd just take you to heaven. You might say, well, I just, want to, I just want to stay here and keep serving people. You're going to be able to serve like you can't imagine in heaven. Serve God, right? Serve people. Everything will be perfect. You might say, well, I just want to love, 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 love. No, no, no. You're going to love in heaven if those were the reasons. And you might say, well, I just want to see Carolina basketball more. <laughs> or I want to watch the Gamecocks. Oh, the wolf pack. Those things are going to pale. We think they're awesome. They are nothing in heaven. They pale. You know why you're still on planet earth? 
so that you can be a witness for Jesus. Seriously. If there's any reason why God keeps you and me on planet earth, it is so that we can continue to be a witness for him. Are you living out that purpose? I had this thought this week related to that whole heaven discussion. Have you ever thought about what you're going to be able to take to heaven? What are you going to take? You going to take that fancy boat you got? No. Ladies, you going to take all those high heel shoes? Hey, dude, you going to take all that money you got saved up, like millions for some of you? You going to take millions to heaven? I've done a lot of funerals. I have never seen any money in the casket. And then it hit me. It hit me just this week for the first time. The only thing you are going to be able to take to heaven with you. It's people. The only thing I'm going to be able to take to heaven with me. I'm not going to be able to take my clothes, my home, my kids. What? My Harley. <laughs> I, just, I just thought about this at the moment. This is really not here. This is all up in here. Lord, you say there are streets of gold. I want to drive my Harley. On the streets of God. Now that would be awesome. Come on now. Oh man. Come on. Let's, wait, I need a moment. Can I just have a moment by myself? I can't take my 1998. She's not new. But she's my baby. 1998 Road King Classic. I can't take her to heaven. But you know what I am going to be able to take? You know what you're going to be able to take? You'll be able to take the people that you reach for Jesus. That's who you will take to heaven. That's who we will take to heaven. Look at verse 2 Peter 3, 9. In that same vein, you know, why are you not in heaven yet? Why does God still let you breathe on planet earth? 2 Peter 3, 9. Ready? Go. God doesn't want anyone to or be, but he wants all people to change their hearts and live. God doesn't want anyone to perish or be lost. You want to know how much God loves your neighbor that you quite frankly can't stand? (laughs) Or your boss that you think is the antichrist? You know how much God loves your family members that you love or get on your nerve. I mean, it's good and bad. You know how much God loves every single person that is potentially in your sphere of influence for you to witness to. You don't know know how much you love them. The same extent that he loves you this much. He spread wide his arms and he died on a cross to say, I don't want anyone to perish I don't want anyone to be lost. 
Love demands that we move beyond our comfort zone, church. Love demands that we go home and reach people in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces. Love demands that we often move out across cultural barriers and boundaries and actually get out of our comfort zone and do life with people who are different from us. I love the way that vision of Acts 1-8 just kind of goes out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the world. Love will cause us to often live and do life with people who are across the tracks, if you will. People who are across the oceans, if you will. People who are in our own neighborhoods, but they're just different from us. Or in our workplaces, and they're just different from us. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 9, 22. Whatever each person is like, I try to find common ground with him. So that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. If you're a note taker, write this down. God Good news Gospel God Good news Gospel. You know what I see in every one of those words some of your eyes have already picked up? Go. 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 Go to your neighborhoods. Go to your workplaces. Go to your friends. Go to your enemies. Go to foreign lands. Go. Your mission in life is to what church? Go. And do what church? Be a witness. It is to go. The vision of this church has never been reach, teach, and release lukewarm Christians. It's never been reach, teach, and release complacent note-takers. The church's mission is to release born-again, fired-up, contagious Christians who go into their worlds and they just serve as a witness for Jesus. How many of you, if you had the cure... For cancer. How many of you would do everything you could to make that cure known? Like, I don't know about you, but I hate cancer. I hate it. It has claimed the lives of some dear friends of mine. It's claimed the lives of some of my children's friends in school. The other day I found my daughter at the kitchen table and I could tell she was in a funk. I knew it. And I said, what's wrong with you? And here's what she said. She was, Dad, I hate cancer. If any of us, and some of you are in the medical field, and and you're working hard to find the cure for cancer, way to go. Here's the deal, though. If you or any of us had the cure for cancer, would we not get it out ASAP any way we could? We have a cure for something far greater than cancer. We have a cure for sin. We have a cure for eternal punishment and separation from God. We have a cure for people's helplessness, their hopelessness, their loneliness. We have a cure for it all. So why do we not get fired up and dare to care and share enough with people who need the cure? And the cure's name is Jesus. It's Jesus. 
George Gallup has another poll. He says this. He said, I don't know if I believe this. He said he believes his statistics show that teenagers would rather talk more about God than sex and drugs. I don't know which teenagers he's talking about, but anyway. That's <laughs> what he says. And actually, when I step back from it for a moment and think about it, I'm, I actually think he's on to something. I think young people, I think old people, I think middle-aged, I think people are genuinely interested in the things of God. They're just no longer interested in stale, stiff, worn-out religion. They're interested in hearing from people who have had their lives changed by Jesus. And they're interested in a church that would do church in a way that's not stiff, stale, stoic, archaic. But a church that is engaged and has, has one finger on the pulse of the culture and one finger on the Bible proclaiming the truth with grace. So... One little equation and then, then I'll, I'll wrap up here. I want to give you something that will just help you understand this. Some of you are, are, are math people. Let me, let me just give you an equation. H, P, plus C, P, plus C, C. H, P, plus C, P, plus C, C equals M, I. You might say, what in the world are you talking about? Seriously, write it down. Write it down. HP plus CP plus CC equals MI. Here it is. High potency. I'm talking about born again, fired up Christians who have had their lives changed. High potency plus close proximity plus, come on, come on, clear communication. Equals maximum impact for the kingdom of God. High potency. Plus what church? Close proximity. Plus what? Clear communication. Doesn't get any more clear than this. Hey, why don't you come join us at our church? We'd love to have you. Or here's a, here's a better one. Hey, can I come by and pick you up and take you to church on Sunday? Here's another one. Hey, let's go to church on Sunday and I will take you to lunch or dinner, whatever service you go to, and I'm paying. Is it worth you picking up the tab to see someone's soul saved for all of eternity? Somebody like, I don't know. Let me think about that for a minute. Come on! High potency. If you are a born again, saved child of God, redeemed by God, washed in the blood, baptized, all of that, close proximity, doing life with people who are lost, not stiff arming them, but actually having a close proximity with people who are far from God. That's healthy for you, by the way. That's healthy for pastors, by the way. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. Close proximity. Clear communication. Don't go doing a bunch of Christianese mumbo-jumbo junk. Just be real. Just, here's an idea. Be normal. 
Christians, man, they wear me freaking out. Why do you think you got to go being some, you know, super hyper spiritual person? What did you have for breakfast this morning? Well, I prayed about it for two hours. Just eat breakfast. Just be normal. Clear communication equals what? When I was a kid, some of you have heard this story before because I can't shake it. I can't shake it. And I normally think about it around this time of the year when it starts getting warmer, starts getting darker later. I was a kid in Sumter, South Carolina, lived on Oakland Street. And we were, we were like middle class, if there ever was a middle class. We, we just, it was simple. We, we, you, our, you know what our toys were? Our toys were go outside and throw pine cones at each other. Or, you know, climb trees. Or some of you can relate to what I'm saying. And so about this time of the year, man, this is when we went, you know, went cut off jeans, right? Cut off jeans, no shoes, no shirt. That was our summer attire, right? And we played on, we played kick the can. Anybody play kick the can coming up? Come on now. Kick the can, wiffle ball, you know, football. It was tackle, baby. None of this two-hand touch stuff. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and man, we we is neighborhood gang, and, and that gang kind of I ended up going in bad directions with that gang. But before all of that, um, I, I lived across the street from a guy by the name of Sean Harrington. Sean Harrington. And as a young kid, I, I could remember hearing the fights in Sean's house. I mean, bottles busting up against the wall, words that you would not even begin to imagine. One wife saying to a husband and a husband saying to a wife and Sean's dad was a uh, horrific alcoholic and when he drank he got violent and and Sean would sometimes show up with bruises on him and and Sean was he was like my best friend as a child and I the the image that will not leave me is that in the afternoons we would always my family you know my family was not the the perfect family, but there was something that we did do that was pretty functional. It was, we had dinner every night. We had dinner every night at about 6, 6.30 p.m. My mom would call us in and we'd go have dinner. And then we would always go back out after dinner. And we knew that there was a time when we had to go back home, but we would go back out. So it was usually that, that you know, that, that dust time, if you will, and we're playing in the streets and we're having a good time. And mom or dad would come out to the door. They would open up the front door and they would call my brothers and I home. I was the youngest of three boys. And the other kids would, would be called home as well and or family homes there, the parents would cut the light on, you know, and the light meant get your butt on home, right? And it was dark. And so, but what I remember most as a child is that when we would all be called home, we would all scatter home. But Sean would be left in the street or in the yard by himself. And I didn't think much about it then. I do recall going into my bedroom sometimes and looking out my window and there was Sean. Still standing in the yard. There was no one to call him home. No one ever, ever to my memory called Sean Harrington home. 
And the last I heard, Sean is nowhere near being a Christian and is doing 10 plus years in the state penitentiary. Now you might say, well, that's dramatic. I know it is dramatic. Maybe it's just that there's somebody living near you and they're doing great. They're making six figures, right? They're doing great. They got a great car. They got a great home. They dress well, but on the inside they're dying and nobody's calling them home. Maybe you work with somebody and you know that you know that they don't go to church and they're lost. And if they were to face God today, they would face a Christless eternity. Nobody's calling them home. Maybe that waitress who waits on you today or tomorrow or that waiter who waits on you this week, maybe they got an attitude because they're lost. And life is hard right now. Or maybe they got a positive smile on their face, but nobody's calling them home. Now is the time for the church to rise up and be the church. Now is the time for the church to catch a God-sized vision of what it would look like for us to release every single Sunday at all of our campuses, thousands and thousands and thousands of people who go into their worlds, who go into their spheres of influence, and they understand that their mission, your mission, my mission, is to be a witness and invite people to Jesus, or at a minimum, his church, is to invite people to the kingdom of God. That is why you're still here. Who, last question, and I am done. Who is going to be in heaven because of you? Maybe you ought to personalize that and write that one down. Will anybody be in heaven because of me? Now is the time, church. Now is the time. Check this out. It's our time. We must rise up and no longer disparage. It's our time, church, to honor our heritage. We have a savior. He gave it all on the cross. We stand beside martyrs who counted nothing as loss. They took God's mysteries, opened them up for us. Stephen, John the Baptist, Bonhoeffer, Jan Hus. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses above, it's now our turn to model his unending love. Our mission is one we cannot confuse, nor muddy up with some trite excuse. You say you're not well-versed, ready, or able. I think Moses even tried to use that fable. The time we have, it's now more urgent. If we should hear, well done, faithful servant. Yeah, church, it's our time. It's our time to confess the ways we're mangled, the sins and selfishness that have us entangled. Lust, greed, and pride, their path leads to the grave. Yet we return to our sins as if we're a slave. Can we survive in this putrid dead sea? I quote Paul, may it never be. 
So let's cast aside our individual leprosy and begin to leave a biblical legacy. There's a glorious prize awaiting to be won, and the way to win is to start to run. Let's lace them up and fight the good fight, become to the world both salt and light. Our life on earth is merely a vapor. Our chapter must move from pen to paper. So church, let's get to writing because it's our time. It's our time, church. We have what it takes to help the world from its slumber awake. To Jesus, we are his beautiful bride. Whom shall we fear with him on our side? We have each other. We are not alone. It's iron to iron in the combat zone. There's a promise of life full of adventure. As long as we give both talents and treasure, the workers are few, the harvest is plenty, with so many lives running on empty. Scores of people trying to cope. They've come to the end of their proverbial rope. Young eyes are wandering, looking for direction. Make sure we point them to his resurrection. The clock's ticking. We're on our dime. Hey, church, rise up. It's our time. Who's going to be in heaven because of you and because of me? I get asked this question sometimes. Well, well, how big is New Hope going to get? I don't know. It's going to blow your mind to hear this. I've never really worried about that, ever. I only worry about one thing. How can we reach people? How can we reteach them? And how can we release them? But for those of you who wonder that, how big is New Hope going to get? That's the wrong question. That is the wrong question. Here's the right question. Should anyone be left behind? You can do this, church. We can do this. We've made it. Far too complicated. Grab some cards. Throw a magnet on your car. Talk to people. Share. Just be a witness of what God is doing in your life. And what God is doing in your church. And if I might say so myself. You are at a church where it is easy to talk about what God is doing. Just talk about what God is doing. Be the witness and extend the invitation. And there will be people who are in heaven because of you. Will you pray with me? Father, as I look out on the faces of those in worship today, God, I see hope. I don't necessarily see fear. God, these are your people, good people who want to make a difference in the world. That's why they go to this church. And God, I know that you're calling all of us to accept our mission from you. And I pray you'll give people the courage to do the right thing and to not walk in disobedience. Thank you for the privilege of being invited to be a part 
of the greatest cause, the greatest purpose, the greatest mission on the planet. And thank you for including us in that mission. If you're here, I want to invite you to just say a prayer after me. Just You don't have to say it out loud, but just make this your prayer. Father, more than anything, more than anything else, I want to fulfill my mission. So today I accept my mission to be a witness and to tell others about you. I want you to send me and use me anytime, any way, any place. I want people to be in heaven because you've allowed me to stay on planet earth. God, I will serve you and your purposes in this generation. From this day forward, I want to build my life around your eternal purposes and my mission. And I want to help our church, New Hope Church, do the very same. Now, why don't you just repeat this with me? All heads bowed, eyes closed. Just, just repeat this. Help me to share. Help me to dare. Enough to care. So that together we might reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.